one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey everyone, welcome to the 349th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you yet again by patron Ben Steer. He's getting a lot of props from us because my mailing of his hat is a little bit delayed, but it's going out today. I promise you, Ben, if it doesn't, I'm going to give you two hats. I'm Warren Kaplan. Regretfully yours, <laughs> I'm Matt Enlow. Yeah. Uh, today we're talking about micro and macro regrets, the big ones and the little ones across our career. I think uh, Oren and I are both feeling a little introspective as this year winds down. Things have sort of opened up and then they feel a little weird again all of a sudden. It's an easy time to just kind of think about yourself, think about all of the smart moves you made and all of the ones that maybe you would want to do differently. So uh, we're going to dig in. Oren had a big shoot. I'm on my way into some fun stuff. And so we're thinking about what we like to do differently. You wake up the morning after a, sh- a shoot you've been prepping really hard for, for weeks. And uh, you think to yourself, dang, why didn't I get that insert? So Oren, before we talk about the regrets, how'd the shoot go? The shoot was awesome. I think I can say now because I saw actually like someone from the production company posted a picture of me and uh, the star, which was Rebel Wilson. So I feel like I can... Uh, say it was Rebel Wilson. And if you don't know, if you're not familiar with her name, she's one of the characters from the Pitch Perfect series. She also was in uh, Bridesmaids. Yeah, she's one of the obnoxious roommates uh, in Bridesmaids and is really funny in that movie. Yeah, she often plays characters that are like mean and snarky and really funny. And I had actually even like read interviews about her like behind the scenes that she like loves to improvise and ad lib and that she never says like the same line twice and I was like a little bit nervous about that but Mm -hmm. she was actually just like super easy to work with you know she had a bunch of ideas that were really funny but also if I was like hey can we just do it the way it was scripted she was like sure let's do it that way like there was no ego or attitude and she came she like literally came with like her script like the storyboards printed out and like her notes on them like funny awesome. things like sometimes you know and we talked about this on on the podcast before my wife was in a short film with chris parnell once and i don't think he was even getting paid for it It was just like a funny short mm-hmm. and she said he showed up early he was off book he's sometimes these actors that you expect to work less hard because mm-hmm. they frankly don't have to work hard uh to get the roles and things as as much as like newer actors they're like more prepared like there's a reason you see that they have like this work ethic they care about the quality of things like I, with Rebel, we would do a take and be like, I think we got it. Let's move on. And she's like, can I can I just do one more? I, I want to try something else. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, yeah, um, they're just invested in 
the final product, you know, and, and good. Yeah. And look, if you're not, you know, famous, if you're not like a long track record or an amazing resume as an actor, I'm sure, you know, like, like our wives who have done a lot of stuff, you've seen them before. They've been on HBO shows and whatever. They probably on a TV show wouldn't feel super comfortable saying like, Hey, could I get one more take? And it kind of wouldn't, wouldn't be appropriate unless it was like a scene that was really about them. And they had like built a rapport with the entire team right. and, yeah, but it would be, yeah, it would be, yeah. it, it would be slowing down the production when everyone else in the production already thinks that they have what they need. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, but if you do ask for another take, that does mean that you care about, about mm-hmm. sure. and you know, yeah. in the commercial world, sometimes you, you know, the actors don't really care, you know, about the final product. They're just there for the payday. So anyway, it was awesome. Um, and also it's worth worth just kind of clarifying to people that this spot is very meticulously planned because there are a lot of VFX, there are a lot of stunts, there's all sorts of stuff that really kind of has to fit together like a, you know, a Swiss watch. And so, you know, improv is awesome and I'm sure there were plenty of really, really funny ideas that you maybe just didn't have room for because you needed to fit the exact amount of time that it takes to say your line in between point A and point B where, you know, one gag ends and another one begins or whatever. So, yeah. And I, I've, I'm sure this has happened to you before. I, you know, when you work with film actors or even TV actors on commercials, mm-hmm. sometimes they don't realize that like, Hey, this shot needs to be five seconds long. So yeah, the yeah. reason we Not wrote, just need, it has to yeah, be the reason we wrote yeah. like, uh, come check it today instead of come check it yeah. out today is because come check it out today was too long. And I've worked with some very funny people that have been in many commercials, but some of them, they're really funny, but they just do really long things. They love to go off script and ad lib and just add all mm-hmm, these things. Mm-hmm. And you're like, this is, that, this is gold. Thank you. I'm not going to use any of it, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah. I felt like Rebel was very aware of the, the time constraints, not the shooting time constraints, the edit, the screen time constraints. Mm-hmm. So she was actually like giving us everything really fast. She was like, if I was like, hey, can you start? doing this action there's a part where she like picks up a flamethrower i'm like can you start picking up the flamethrower as you're saying the last line just to compress that a bit and she's like oh totally yes i i that that does make sense and and Mm -hmm. was very aware of like you know i mean a lot of great actors are good at the rhythm of the scene but she it seemed it felt to me like she came knowing that these shots had a certain amount of time of Mm -hmm. like screen time that they should be um and was was trying to give them to us quickly but still you know naturally and I think some of that maybe comes from, I can't speak to the specificities of Rebel or not, but like, I think when you work with, with movie stars and people who have worked a lot, they have the experience and perspective of having a say on the edit, being in test screenings and seeing how things, they get to see the results of all the the things that they're executing on set and and have a say in how that plays out right and so i think the more experience the more movies you star in the better you are at understanding what the river reverberations of what you do on set basically then the ramifications right right and a lot you know, of that's it why comes... you look at like tom cruise tom cruise could do every job on a set right but he just knows that he's busy being tom cruise yeah and he is like kind of directing a lot of the action you know 
he's pretty much like the stunt coordinator on a lot of his movies, not to, not to take away the credit from the, the actual stunt sure. coordinators, sure. but I've seen behind the scenes footage of him, like coordinating where his helicopter goes versus where someone else's helicopter goes mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, with the director and the coordinator and all the safety people. But he, yes, he's, he's a big part of that. And I'm sure for like potentially a hundred percent of these actors, the reason they get so involved in the edit and the final product is because they've been burned before, you know, mm-hmm. they've been in things that like, or they just feel like they're not portrayed well. And you might even say they regret certain decisions regret. that were made on set. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. So the shoot went awesome. You know, we were kind of on every shoot. I mean, I, I've been on some of my worst stuff I've ever shot. At the end of the day, everyone's like going for that for drinks and excited and mm-hmm, thinks we did mm-hmm. an awesome job. And then you get into that and you're like, I should have done this thing or that thing. But so we were on such a high last night, went out to dinner, sushi, everything fun. Woke up this morning. Just started thinking about the shots and I, I, I was very prepared to like, I, I went into the day yesterday. I actually had like a minor panic attack in the morning because I was like, we're, we, we just have too many things to shoot. We just don't have enough time. And like mm-hmm. I, I edited our rehearsal together and I felt like it was running a little bit long and I was yeah. like, yeah, I, I, and again, because it's, it, it fits together so precisely, you can't cut things the way you could just cut a joke. If it was two people in a room riffing or whatever right you get your master you get some coverage um yeah you'll you'll be fine but like yeah here it's rebel wilson walking and talking or walking around and talking to the camera intricate gags gags that are hard to reset and take the amount of time that they take are occurring yeah you know one at a time and so i was just so scared i just like on my way to set i texted like the the creative team and i was like guys uh Good news, bad news. Good news. And if you listen to our last episode, this will make sense. I took our like kind of 16 by 9 edit and cropped it to 9 by 16. And I think it totally works. Like, I think you guys can feel good that there is like a, an edit there um, because that was something they were concerned about. But the bad news is I just feel like we have too much stuff, you know? So I had all these ideas like, what if we cut this? What if we combine here? What if we do this? What if we take this out? What if we c- cut these words? It, it, it was this informed by an animatic or yeah. just a gut feeling or i edited the, our rehearsal footage together yeah. which is, the rehearsal yeah. is pretty much uh, uh a stand-in doing all the dialogue very fast and giving nothing any time to breathe mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it yeah. was 60 seconds on the dot and i was like and that's how that's the the goal but also they want to do a 30 second edit and a 15 second edit which is going to be very difficult are there scripts for the 30 and 15 there are but they're basically just like lifts from the 60 but yeah uh yeah. I, I don't know that that's that's a, the next thing I, I think we'll find something um, for that. And I even shot a separate thing that I think will be, could work for the 15. That is just very different from everything else. Mm-hmm. Just in one setup, I just had her say the tagline and do something funny. You know, I pulled them aside, you know, I didn't want the client to hear anything. I was like, guys, I, I'm just like a little worried. And I showed them my edit, my 60 second edit. And they're like, so what, like 65 seconds you think would be good? I'm like, yeah, 70, 65. I don't know. I just Wait, don't... is this not a broadcast spot? Well, it's it, there's a hope that it's a broadcast oh, spot. Right, but right, right. So like, you have a long form, but you still want to hit a hard 60 in success so that it can go elsewhere and all that. Yeah. So then the, the 60 is the deliverable. There's no that, That's the hero. There, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, a 60. Yeah. They're like, just let's just do it all. Just keep it in. They, 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 were, they were made me feel okay about like if it's not super precise. They're like, Let, let's just do mm-hmm. it. And I'm like, I don't know, Rebel. Rebel's probably going to like just 
do a bunch of funny things in the middle. It's just going to slow it down. And the first take she mm-hmm. took was like faster than the stand in. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> okay, this is going to work. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Yeah, every single scene was like, okay, we can cut this. We can cut this. We can make this because we got to make our day. The sunset. We we lost her at 3 p.m. to an interview with like some TV show. Uh, So we had to and the, the light. You know, we lose. We basically that that's we had to shoot everything between like that's eight a.m. and three p.m. with all these yeah. kind of complicated setups. So I just my my entire plan was just backup plans, backup plan, backup. Back. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> when it's two thirty p.m. and we got all our shots, I was like totally unprepared. <laughs> I was unprepared uh-huh. for oh, being ahead of what? schedule. Yeah, because typically you have a few bonus shots in mind, you yeah. know, like the, the thing you'd be like, well, it'd be Time really permitting. nice. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do an yeah. insert. We'll do a close up. We'll do this. We'll do that. Mm-hmm. But I shot none of that. I did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I did two inserts, but one of them is boarded. Like is it doesn't, yeah. the edit doesn't work yeah. without that insert. And I did basically zero coverage. I overlapped the last scene in two shots um, or in three shots, but I, I shot yeah. no close-ups, no overs. And to me, the, when someone is talking to camera, the coverage is really difficult because mm-hmm. the, may, your main option is either an insert of something they're referring to or mentioning or touching. You can like, you know, cut to, they pick something up off the table. You can cut to a close-up of that. But 
because we had like dial- wall-to-wall dialogue, it just means you're cutting away from someone talking to show mm-hmm. a hand picking something up. And it could be a little distracting to what they're saying. Um, unless they're saying like, I love pistachios and they're picking up a cut to pistachios. Yeah. 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 But for the most part, that's not happening. Yeah, For the most part, yeah. coverage on a two camera shoot, a TO camera, like someone talking to the camera mm-hmm. is a close up <laughs> of yeah. what they're saying yeah. in a wide, like two sizes. Yeah. Right. Right. Punch-ins yeah. basically. Yeah. But since she's moving the entire time, it's like kind of hard to even like cut, like use them to jump time and remove mm-hmm. lines because the background and everything is going to be totally different if you mm-hmm. are are using those um, punch-ins to cut around well so did you make the punch-ins like have softer backgrounds you know or we did not or, shoot any any punch you didn't you we didn't did not shoot, shoot any coverage <laughs> this, is, this mm-hmm. is why this episode is about regrets it's kind of like uh when you're a kid and you have like a vhs camera and you just have to shoot in sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. You're shooting. It's just like every, every single shot is just like you're shooting. Yeah. You're shooting yeah. in, you're cutting. And in you're like camera, rewinding basically. if you have a yeah, bad yeah. take. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. the equivalent today's equivalent, I don't know if you've ever used TikTok to shoot and edit, but that's kind of how it works. You shoot something with TikTok and you review it. If you like it, you go shoot the next shot. If you like it, you can kind of keep, keep redoing it and you can trim your shots and kind of transition. Mm-hmm. But you shoot in TikTok, if you use the TikTok app to shoot stuff, which I actually, it's actually an amazing tool. It can be like an endorsement. Um, when you're on set and you want to show someone a sequence of cuts, you can mm-hmm. edit in, oh, that's in TikTok, the app. Um, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so I, you know, I, I didn't have any plans for close-ups or coverage or insert because I knew we were going to be behind all day. And so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a scene where she uh, touches this guy with a jetpack and he like flies up and we kind of shot it. We thought on the rehearsal, the funniest way it plays is like in this medium shot. There were a lot of things we were kind of trying to avoid seeing. Um, And just like in a medium shot and he just kind of like You're trying to avoid seeing them because it's more VFX. It's like paint outs on things. Is that what you're trying to avoid or? Parts of the stunt were like not as impressive as I wanted them to be. And Mm -hmm. so I I thought it would be funnier if like this guy just kind of leaves frame than if we see Mm -hmm. him like he's supposed to be blasting out of frame and he's kind of moving slowly. So just just. For the sake of comedy, we thought it was funnier staying on Rebel while this guy's feet fly well, this up. Is yeah, yeah, that's, that is funnier. But we yeah. didn't because we were like a little ahead. We did like seven takes of it. And I'm like, mm. why did I not do take six and seven just way wider? You know, like full frame. I yeah. could have always we shot like yeah. 4K. I could have punched in. So that's that, my, that my first is, big regret. That's, and that's a lesson I learned at College Humor. I realized I would rather have two takes of a new setup than mm. six takes of one setup yeah almost that's Jordan always. Brainy always says that too it's like for, yeah. for the take five and six go to just change the size a little bit yeah um so you, uh, you were shooting anamorphic so you weren't on zooms i assume they were primes yeah but we're on steadicam so i could have easily had the steadicam operator oh, just, just take five oh, steps no. back god yeah but um but we know yeah. that we're only going to use one of these for the edit you know, kind of no, <laughs> yeah. but I, yeah, I mean, it's a regret. I should have done it. I should have just, and, and I have a super wide shot. I don't know if I showed you what it looks like, but a really wide shot where we did do the jetpack thing in it, but mm-hmm. like they look, they're like ants in the frame. I mean, they're tiny. Uh, so it's like, it would be hard to cut to it. Cause it's like such a shift in size. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. like going from like a medium shot of someone to someone. Well, being like 10 though, pixels I will say 
a gag like a jetpack or a car crash or something really big, I think actually you do have the latitude to cut extra wide and you can play that for comedy. Yeah. Just to put your mind at ease. But so that's my, my one big regret. And actually my shoot I had two weeks ago, I had the same regret. Like mm-hmm. there it was a little harder because I wanted, we did some gymnastics and I wanted a really wide shot of the entire trick. And they were kind of mm-hmm. going out of the top of the frame. And like, you know, some, some people thought that was cool and interesting. But in the edit, I'm like, I should have gone the super wide shot. But there, the super wide shot, we would have seen our lights. We would have seen, like, there were a lot of yeah. issues. Here we had, yeah. we probably could have could have yeah. done that. Um, yeah. Or even just like tilt up with the camera. But, you know, on this is probably one of my bigger shoots crew and cast wise and client and agency. I mean, probably like 20 people, just client and agency, you know, um, everyone is dialed in the boards. Everyone is like, like literally. And we talked about this, I think off the mic, how the storyboards and like what the art department did or like exactly like people were taking so many cues off the storyboards where I think mm-hmm. you and I, or at least I usually think of them as like more like a suggestion, you know? Well, you know, it makes me think of, I, I think that you and I are kind of maybe butting up a, against a similar growing pain in that when we started out you didn't have storyboards you had a shot list but you you know who cares yeah i mean i was the camera operator like nine out of ten times yeah exactly so you could just kind of not wing it but you were figuring things out and you had the nimbleness the agility to fix things as you go and you're thinking about the edit and you know when it was like my web series i wrote it so i could rewrite on the fly and you know the more the more that you move into commercials, the more stakeholders there are and the more pre-planning there has to be because it's not a handful of your best friends in a bedroom making jokes. It's a 60 person crew and a bunch of people watching a monitor, et cetera. And so you, you really, really plan. Right. And uh, we've talked a lot about how to dial in that plan. So you feel like it's bulletproof. I can't speak for you. I personally have found that I have become a touch too rigid as a result. I'm shooting the boards and I'm trusting that the animatic works. And for the most part, 99% of the time. And the boards are approved. That's why you don't want to waste time doing something that people might people Right. And and look, it's different if it's like. And it's always a battle of time, right? That's why you're not experimenting too much. And I did a lot of like this past year kind of back to the root my roots like improv pieces where like the best piece was a thing that i came up in the moment i don't even know that people realized that it was something (laughs) that i just would that i was just doing do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it was like truly spontaneous and was so fun and makes the spot you know but so i think that like bringing some of those instincts back into it and not being so so worried about all of the different approvals is helpful. You know, I, I, I always give the spiel of like, I'm going to get it exactly as planned. And then if we have a little bit of time, we're going to riff a little more, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I always, always say that it's like, it's on autopilot at this point and like kind of need to practice what I preach when it comes to that stuff. Cause certainly I ran into those, those problems where, you know, I mean, you helped me on some of these shots where it's like, ah, the VFX, would would have been better if I had shot a slightly different version than what was boarded. Right. Yeah. I mean, to me, the boards, it's like we're not drawing them. We're working with storyboard art. So yeah. the boards are like what we are describing in words to an artist and then mm-hmm. kind of giving notes on. But 
you know, do you ever draw thumbnails for them? Yeah. But they're, yeah. I, I find that, you know, if they're you're a better artists than we yeah, are. If you're yeah. specific about mm-hmm. an angle or a perspective, I'm like not mm-hmm. so good at, I'm really, my thumbnails are great for size. This is how big mm-hmm. the character should be versus the action versus the location. Mm-hmm. But I want it to be like a wide angle, really close up, like kind of a distorted chart. Right? I want it to be like super long lens, you know, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. those I'm, I'm not good at drawing. Really. Do you ever do top downs? Because that I think, depending on the artist in particular. Uh, um, for storyboard artists, rarely. And I find that a lot of them aren't actually that like knowledgeable about lenses and things. Some mm-hmm. are, some aren't. Um, but I... I do 3D. That's why I started making Blender uh, renders mm-hmm. because I wanted to know. And they, the other problem with storyboard art, artists is they'll draw impossible to shoot things. Sure. Often. The, the physics are yeah, not, the not encumbered by physics. Yeah. Because yeah. you'll be like, I want, to, I, want, I want to be a little closer on that actor. So they'll just make that actor bigger. But the background hasn't changed, you know? Sure. Um, right, right. So anyhow. Um, but uh, uh, I forget. I forget my train of thought. I've, oh, just that there's so many crew members that are going off the storyboards on set that even saying like, hey, I want to go wider and like mm-hmm. changing the lens, like talking to the DP and getting this shot that no one in this entire thing knows about. It, it's not like a two minute thing, you know, on a big set yeah. with like 10 background. Be, like, hey, take a big uh, 10 steps back. And then before you've even committed to the idea of shooting it. You could literally just say, hey, steady cam operator, do me a favor, take 10 steps back. And then all of a sudden, people are talking into their radios. And right. Oh, now we see are, this, now we see that. Yeah, people are moving stuff around and you're like, hold on. I don't know how long it's going to take you all to get it to the way that you think it needs to be. I just literally wanted to look at it for a second, guys. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that is... Yeah, there's a domino effect. Such a such a privilege. Like to to complain about that in any capacity is insane. But I guess what I'm it, it, it there is like a a difference between it's the big difference between small things and and mega things. Yeah, you know? and this was also like yeah. a SAG shoot. So if I would have had, and now I think maybe one of the reasons I like was a little hesitant is if I would have had him take like ten steps back, we would have now seen the stunt. Um, mm-hmm. rig guys that were, were operating who were thing. not paid to be on camera right. and, and then all sag, of a sudden you just spent two thousand dollars to get this head. wide shot yeah ahead yeah um, yeah whether you use it or not right right yeah so um but but that was that was the one moment where i was like i could have easily done that every other moment it would have been mm-hmm. like okay let's you know do an insert here let's light this let's change the lens let's do that and it Every other moment seemed like it would have been hard to do, but that one moment that would have been easy is, is what I regret. And then my two other regrets is I had this actor with like a, a jetpack on that flies up. He didn't say anything. And I, I wish I would have just gotten like some audio from him. Stuff, like, ah, whoa, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, because you mean because you want it in, in the space, basically? Um, well, cause it's a SAG shoot. So if we, we need to, it needs to be a SAG actors doing that. And if we even get it from the stunt person making that sound, we have to pay him. Like, like, it's just, it would have been so easy to just be like, Hey, let's just, can we just record like a few efforts before you take off? Um, yeah. So it's just like an easy thing. And I, you know, I can ask for more money to get that, but it's like, it was an easy thing to do. And then the other thing, which also we could get, but would probably cost more money is I never had rebel just do the entire script audio you know clean audio yeah which is yeah. so easy especially while we're waiting for like a gym arm we're literally just standing yeah. there for like 
10 minutes, we had a technical issue with like our head and we could have just that, recorded audio like for 10 minutes for free. That is, um, and we've talked about that before. Like always, <laughs> always do that. Always do it. Always do it. But yeah, I was going to say the, the pointer I have on that front is any wish list things that being really high up there. Tell the AD. That, tell the AD. Tell your scripty. Tell oh, your yeah. scripty. Yeah. Because the scripty, I have a love-hate relationship with them. Mostly love, but like, you know, their job is to nag you. And you'll be like, I'm, I'm in the middle. Hold on, just give me two seconds. And they'll be like, this is a good time to do the thing that you said you wanted me to do. And I say, I love you. I'm sorry. Give me two seconds. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So shout out to scripties. I actually didn't even like check in with Scripty at the end because we were like, basically, we lost, you know, we lost Rebel to yeah. her next thing. Yeah. And we actually, I think, even delivered her a few minutes late. So it wasn't like no matter what she would have told us. But there was this moment. I don't know. It's yeah. it was kind of this unexpected. We had just a technical issue with like a remote head that wasn't working. And it was like they're working on it for like 10 minutes or something. And it was it's interesting because the entire rest of the day, dude, we had like multiple generators on the mm-hmm, set just mm-hmm, so that mm-hmm. they can have lights ready to plug in anywhere we wanted without knowing yeah. you know yeah yeah distro yeah yeah, yeah. and there was one point where i was Ooh, like man. can we get the Sounds fly good. swatter you know the condor this mm-hmm. giant thing over here and they're like uh it'll take us 20 minutes to drive it there do you want to do it and i was like no and that was the only thing all day that that was like hey this will take us a long time everything else was just like 18k ready. 10k yeah. 6k 24k like sky panel like anything we wanted there's yeah. they're already like set up and ready to go yeah um so anyway those are my three big regrets no audio of the entire script from the, the main person saying it mm-hmm. no audio from any other actors um again sag shoot is the only reason that matters and then not getting any coverage um and i just wanted to talk for like 10 seconds maybe maybe a minute about the coverage thing, which is I grew up, you know, shooting all my own comedy sketches. Like I think many people do. And I would shoot a two shot or a master and I'd shoot overs and I'd shoot close-ups and I'd do all that stuff and find things in the edit. And what we all know and for years that, you know, I do a lot of comedy and so I, that's how I shoot a lot of stuff. Um, but all of my favorite commercials and all of my favorite directors, especially recently I've noticed like are not built of coverage, you know, it's not, mm-hmm. A wide shot, mm-hmm. close up, close up, close up, or over, over, over. It's there, and even if it is sort of that, they're all specials. Basically, every single angle is built to be unique del- and be unique and, and deliver good. the exact idea that the line that it's shooting is is meant to convey. Right? Yeah, and I think probably that we both do similar stuff, but I think you are more comedy dialogue person, which I think is mm-hmm. more where that, that stuff works really well. It's like mm-hmm. a lot about the dialogue. And I, I think I'm more like at comedy VFX person. And so for me, like, like doing an action comedy, you know, you would also kill an action comedy. You've done it a ton, but to me, uh, like, I think, I think first about like camera movement and things like that. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, less about like the jokes maybe um and you know how they work together but sure but i've been my last two shoots really were the i've really been like hey this is the shot this is the cool and we're gonna get this shot perfectly and we're not gonna Mm -hmm. do 10 different versions of this because i've i've done that so many times and in the edit you use one of them and you realize you just wasted so much time getting three other angles on this thing that you never Mm -hmm. touch um right so it was very intentional for me to not shoot a lot of coverage and to make 
each shot flow into the next shot. But, um, well, and but, but yeah, there are costs to that, which is flex. You, you're reducing a lot of flexibility in post-production. So, so the other thing I'm going to call out, not to give you more anxiety, <laughs> but the, the other thing that I really have learned to insist on is that I want to know all of the run times for all of our deliverables always. And if the hero is a 60, I want to, I'm going to cut a 30 and maybe it is a pure lift, you know, mm. but I would bet that in something as intricate as what you're shooting, it would be, you, it would be handy to know if you're cutting a gag entirely, mm-hmm. which I bet you are. You, yeah. you need to just know all of that stuff. And so, you know, maybe, maybe none of the spot needs to change in order for it to work as a 30 but I would bet that there are at least a few lines that like if they were designed to bridge from one gag to leapfrog over the the gag that's in the long form into the next thing or something like that you could tighten it up you could make it a little bit better and that um, I always try to shoot for the 60 30 and 15s and not treat them like lifts if I can help it Unless magically, no, and I, you know, like if it's master and then cross coverage, then yeah, you could probably the thirties fine. I think you know. that's smart, but I also think, and this is a some advice I got from a producer that I do believe I mentioned on the podcast before. The producer that had me redo my website, he told me that I am an incredibly un unselfish director, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that a lot mm-hmm. of the directors that he works with that end up doing really well are very selfish, and, and just. Don't worry about the 30 and the 15. It's not, it's not don't, the problem. It's, I'm worried about them. I want them to be good, obviously, especially if they're the ones that get the most airtime. But like, I want the hero to be awesome. I want mm-hmm. the client and the agency to be like, well, our plans were for a 30, but the hero is freaking amazing. It's like an award-winning yeah. spot and yeah. we're going to fight to run it. And on this job, I really felt like from the client to the agency to the production company, everyone was fighting for like the integrity of this shoot. They wanted something awesome at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I felt I'm really just going to focus on the 16. I'll give you a great example of like where, what you're saying from this specific shoot would be a little difficult, which is, um, we have like a few whip pans, you know, whip from one mm-hmm. scene into the, the mm-hmm. next scene. I actually just have, have one of those, but, um, it's kind of hard to not use both sides of that whip pan. You know, you can mm-hmm. edit out before the whip pan and totally cut the next scene out. Um, uh, but we have this seg- section where she shoots off a flamethrower and I have a kind of like, you know, a flame transition more or less to her with a bunch of soot on her clothes and somebody like wiping the soot off as she walks. Now, if we cut the whole flamethrower sequence, which is like highly likely for the 30, now she has soot on her <laughs> for no reason, you know, mm-hmm, off the mm-hmm. previous shot where she's just like hanging on a helicopter or something. Um, yeah. So, uh, so, when- so, so the, the, I can tell the you what we did. Would be, you shoot it twice, right? You shoot it clean and then with soot, right? So we basically just shot it without soot. <laughs> but uh, we bummer. shot someone yeah. just finishing cleaning her up. And then I think there is a world where you, you just buy that she's like someone is like, you know, messing with her clothes because mm-hmm. she's on set. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, it makes it okay very slightly less cool. Of course, me being a VFX person, I thought like we could add some stuff yeah, to her sure. if we yeah, yeah. needed pretty easily. You got that Mocha Pro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I have the, the Pro one, right? The one that does That's like what I the, said. Mocha I, Pro. I know you said. Face mesh. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Power mesh. 
power mesh pardon me yeah, yeah 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 no it's if you guys don't know what the hell we're talking about which hopefully you don't um mocha pro power mesh pretty amazing um, basically it's a facial tracker so you can put a tattoo on someone's face yeah. or some soot or fabric like and it doesn't have to be a plane it can be have be any can have multiple angles on a surface um anyhow but yeah but then you know when it really didn't make sense like we had her like she crashes a golf cart into some boxes and on the next shot she like we start with like some boxes kind of flying you know mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. probably would have been smart to do a take without the boxes flying but like I don't know. It just felt like a good segue and I yeah. want to use the best performance take and the best time take and not have to use a take because it has boxes or no boxes. And sure. Yeah. So yeah. I was really and, like, and also you only had so much time. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. I was like, no, no alts guys. You want, I'll give you two alts. You had two versions in this line, two versions of this line. And the, mm-hmm. the one scene in the end where I have a tiny bit of coverage, I have like three angles on it. I was like, okay, here we can do, uh, you know, right. In the, right. in the close-up, I'll give you whatever lines you want. But everything else, like, you know, you guys signed off on this. We love it. We don't want to do 15 versions. We just yeah. literally don't have the time. So, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's a, a thing. I mean, I guess... I like it. I like it. Yeah. It's being selfish and taking risks and bold, being bold. I don't mean those as, like, I'm so mm-hmm. cool doing that. It's, like, it's risky. It's not covering your ass right like what coverage is supposed to be about uh but the directors i look at that i'm fans of that i'm a fan of seem to shoot things like this and i kind of feel like when i first started out i also was like you know very inspired by like tarantino and like people like that and i would just do those tarantino-esque shots i wasn't you know Mm -hmm. worried about like four four versions of everything um right and some of my earlier stuff i think is pretty it's bad. You know, it's bad for a number of different reasons. Sure, sure. But there are things. The the things you like about it were from the that mentality. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I know we kind of talked for like forty minutes now, but I was wondering, from a bigger career place, you know, like, are there are there other are there things you regret? Not just like on a shoot specifically, but like bigger mm-hmm. things you didn't realize earlier, or do earlier, or weren't selfish earlier. Like, I kind of wish I sure. had this attitude this mentality earlier five, yeah. five years ago and maybe i'd have more duds but also more wins yeah. you know yeah i you know we, we talked about this topic a little bit in in preparation i was thinking about it and for the most part i think that most of our decisions are motivated by the nature of the industry and our personal situations right so like it would would have been easy to be like, ah, oh, well, you know, maybe I should have shot a feature instead of a web series or whatever. I feel like the web series really gave you a big in into the space that you wanted to be in. A web series launched my career. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was a smaller pond, but I made a bigger splash. Would my, if I'd made a South by Southwest movie that, you know, played premiered at midnight, like, would it be on the front page of Variety or whatever? You know, probably not. It's easy to kind of like second guess that stuff here or there yeah i kind of feel like if you would have made a feature it could have launched a feature career but it would not have supported your life like in the way that a comedy short form comedy career did yeah yeah exactly yeah like would i rather be making features right now and then get hired to do commercials because i'm a cool feature director yeah of course of course but that's a gamble like how many people do we know that have that like yeah you know yeah 
Yeah, totally. And also like, you know, I don't think I could have made a feature for $16,000, which is what I made Squaresville season one for. But I do have a couple things specifically that I think I wish I had taken more seriously. One, I got rejected by an executive right after Squaresville where they were like, you need to have more time behind the camera. That's why we're not hiring you um, on this show. And I was like, okay. And then I just logged tons of hours, just shot every sketch that I could and every commercial that I could. And here I am. And that executive still isn't going to hire me. And it's not because they still an executive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And I, you know, I I stayed friendly and reached out to them, but the answer, the truth is that that was just a nice way of saying like, we're not going to hire you. We don't like you enough. I took that to heart so much that I stopped writing as regularly as I should be. Like there was a period of time where I was making, uh, 50% of my income creating intellectual property, selling shows, making that happen. And none of them went and, I didn't keep writing more and now that part of my business has dried up. And we know that that type of business, you know, you write stuff, no one's willing to read it one year. Next year, people are willing to read it, but they're not into it. Next year, people are willing to meet on it, but they won't buy it. It's a marathon. Next year, people will like need to buy a pilot, but they won't make it. It's like, so you kind of got to like right before the part where people Mm -hmm. are buying it. I sold a pilot. It just didn't, they just didn't make it, yeah. right? So you just needed like two more years of the same. Sure. Right. And I think also, who knows? Maybe not. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Also, that show didn't go like in like 2018, 2019, I want to say. The takeaway, though, is that like if I had six other screenplays under my belt, at the very least, be a better writer. And the reason that I was able to sell those shows and all of that stuff is because I was self-generating and had some buzz. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot harder now to open those doors because that heat has worn off. And so I'm back to like, okay, like I have an awesome resume. I have like, if you look at the things that, you know, if you list my little bio and you condense a decade of hard work, it's actually kind of impressive, which is great. Not quite enough to get a movie made right now and so i gotta get that buzz back going again and if i'd had six razor sharp screenplays to pick from that would i would be in a better place you know yeah i have a, have more sp- uh, plates spinning for sure i mean what's interesting is having a podcast for seven years is i feel like you were like selling those shows like when we started this podcast yeah, and sure a lot of the title of this podcast comes from that that you were like self-generating things that i was like hustling and making things mm-hmm. and that that was leading to more work um and we did kind of over the course of our the the life of our podcast like kind of start getting just offered a lot more things and doing a lot less of our own mm-hmm. things and then being like why would we work on our own things if someone is offering sure, to pay sure. us for something else but you know the the answer is what you just said what i just said you know like why am i whatever 15 years into like directing like moving to LA and directing like now saying like I just want to shoot the shots I want to shoot you know instead Mm -hmm. of like being scared and safe and yeah probably seven years ago when I was doing that Quiznos stuff and we're talking about like you know the Burning Man thing I think Mm -hmm. around when we started the podcast like that stuff I did shoot kind of the way I wanted to shoot it I didn't shoot Mm -hmm. like scenes and coverage and all that stuff Um, and I wasn't really doing much commercial stuff at the time and I wasn't really operating from a place of fear sure but it's taken me kind of, you know, obviously we kind of go in like 
a, a sine wave form. Uh, but it, it's, I do regret not, not reminding myself on every single job that, that people like happy people and they like passionate people. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. if you're on a job where you are curmudgeon or yeah. don't care about it, not only will it probably not come out good, but it probably won't lead to something you do like <laughs> that you do care about. It may accidentally burn a bridge, you know, that, that was, so I have two other things. One of which is like, give everything your all, right? I think that there is a period of time where. Which is easier said than done for sure. But like, I think you maybe are, you get to a point where, you know, you, you've done some stuff and it's cool and you know, you're feeling excited about the budgets that you've been getting. And then somebody from your past is like, Hey, do you want to do this low budget thing? And you're like, sure, I guess. And you don't do as good a job as you should have. Yeah. Or you're kind of trying to do it on the side. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You're distracted or whatever. And that's kind of like an extreme version. I don't think either of us ever did that. Like we're that callous. Right. Um, but everything's an opportunity. And if you, if I'd made some stuff even more awesome, again, my life would be a little bit better, I think. And then the final thing is that I think in this last year in particular, I was distracted, busy with releasing a movie and raising a baby and all of that stuff. But I let some contacts cool off a little bit. And it's easy to forget that the job is about working with your friends and maintaining friendships and building new contacts, you know? And so now I'm like, Oh, okay. Like it's kind of the end of the year and I could use a gig or two. It'd be nice to get some stuff going. And like I rekindled all that stuff. But like if I had kept the fires hot, I think that, uh, things would be different. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, you can't forget that you kind of have to just be like always, you know, stay in touch. catching up with people, yeah. staying in touch. Yeah. I have an endorsement actually that's related to this. So hopefully I'll remember to make the connection when I, when I do the endorsement. Stay in touch. Yeah. So, so, uh, with the few minutes we have left Oren, what about you? What, what are your macro re- I, regrets? I think you covered kind of a lot of the same of mine. Um, this is a Roxy, she special. She always says this mm-hmm. to us. Uh, but this last job kind of really solidified actually the last two jobs. I've always kind of been afraid to ask for what I want. You know, I don't know. I know I grew up in Sacramento, but where I grew up in Orange County, like they would always do these fundraisers in elementary school where you'd go like door to door and like sell chocolate or like stationery Mm -hmm. or something Mm -hmm. to raise money for the school. And I was like, hands down the worst kid at at that. You know, there were always Mm -hmm. the kids who's like mom would take it to her office and have everyone in the office just, you know, they, in their class Mm -hmm. would win the pizza party or whatever for selling the most, (laughs) raising the most money. But I was just, incapable of like asking a stranger if they would want to buy chocolate. Cause I was like, why would you pay like $3 for this bar of chocolate or something? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like when I didn't want it. And, and so also you're like, do you know what the margins are on this? Like the school <laughs> yeah. really, the take home is, is uh, this is just criminal, frankly, you know? Yeah. But I would have been a horrible girl scout too. Like I just cannot. Mm-hmm. I, also, I, I grew a, up a racket. Yeah. Like just so afraid to ask people for things that I thought might be inconvenient or not. Like I was just afraid of rejection, I guess, maybe mm-hmm. at a mm-hmm. very young age. and Or, or uh, you don't want to be rude or mm-hmm. come off as needy or something. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. And so even as a director where your job is to ask for things, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'd be like, 
you know, it'd be great to have a steady cam or a crane. So maybe we'll do, mm-hmm. let's just get the crane. Cause you know, I think I could do this one steady cam shot on the crane, like where mm-hmm. a lot of directors would be like, let's get a steady cam and a crane, you know? And they're like, well, it'll take mm-hmm. too long to get to switch cameras. Like, okay, let's get two cameras. Um, yep. And like, just even my job yesterday working with this DP, it's like, we literally have a Fisher dolly with an RE35 camera with Panavision anamorphic lenses on it as a prop <laughs> in the shot <laughs> on dolly track uh we yeah. never use the dolly for any shots other than being in the shot yeah um and we ended yeah. up not using that second camera body because we had a technical issue but and we just put it you know a lens we weren't using on there but like yeah it's not like you're renting that stuff purely as props yeah and i my shot my job two weeks ago they're like yeah you're gonna have a three-person art team and i was like well i want this and this and this if you guys want to do the thing that we are all excited to do and then it ended up being like a 12-person art team you know like Mm -hmm. and it's just because i asked for things and you know sometimes you're like wow look at this this movie or look at this show i like or look at this short film my friend made and like the production design was awesome but you're like, but that production designer would never work with me. I mean, I've barely done anything. Mm-hmm. But like, mm-hmm. guess what? You should just ask them like, hey, would you work on this? Like, and I'm just kind of learning, like, it's okay to ask people, you know, even if it's a low yeah. budget thing, even if you have no money, even, like the worst thing they can say is no. And I guess I'm like a person that like, is like afraid to get like, I, I avoid people telling me no. So I kind of, even if I'm asking for something, I already come with a solution like, hey, can I? You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I'd love to have like this prop, but, you know, we could probably cut this other prop. I, I think we might not see it, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And whereas I think, again, like it, it pays to be you can think of it as selfish or something or greedy, but it just pays to be open with all the things you want. And yeah. sometimes people might surprise you and say yes. And, and also producers are planning on you on things coming up on you needing to spend a little bit more money in a couple different places. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're aware of like ideas are coming, you know? Right. Yeah. And I'm not at all suggesting that you shouldn't be budget conscious or if a producer calls you and says like, Hey, we're way over budget. What can we cut? Like being creative in how you spend the money for sure. You should do that. But, but I'm, but don't limit yourself before you try is I guess what I'm saying. Cause that, that's kind of has been a little bit of my attitude and one of my, I guess, regrets over, like my last five to 10 years is that I did not ask for like every single thing I wanted, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, so I think that's my macro, my macro regret. I mean, and yeah, basically everything you said, I kind of agree with as well. Well, cool. You want to do an endorsement? Is it- Let's endorse buddy. Unpaid endorsements. I worked on some campaign, Amazon prime. If you've been to my website a couple of years ago or something. Shot it with Yuki. Came out really good. I really like it. And I think a lot of what made it great was the post-production. I feel like the editing, the music, they ended up getting like kind of a famous person in the football commentator world to do the voiceover. And they went through like three or four different people. They went through like two different editors and they really meticulously edited that spot. To I mean, basically all we shot was like, you know, a few people in a living room watching it watching TV and then a guy on a green screen like on on a couch but they they took that one day shoot footage and turned it into a spot that feels big that has it feels like mm-hmm. an NFL worthy spot and the the writer on that is this guy named Billy Scafari and he's a podcast host too oh it's called the No Joke podcast it's Billy Scafari and Adam Lustig anyway uh he was the writer on this Amazon Prime thing and he's really into football and things like that so he writes a lot of 
things. But he wrote these two promos, one for the AFC Championship with Tom Cruise and one for like a promo for a football game um, with John Malkovich called Teasing John Malkovich. And if you want to try to find it on Vimeo, just type Tom Cruise AFC Championship. They basically got Tom Cruise, I'm sure, for like three hours. Mm-hmm. And they had him in, in a room and they wrote a script that was like Tom Cruise to the T. And they recorded him on a big like projector screen or might have been might have been a green screen. Doesn't look like green screen to me, but might like a giant projector screen where they had like kind of different colored lights behind them. Mm-hmm. But like a relatively simple thing, you know, that you could do like on a budget. And the editing, it's this two minute clip and they intercut like Top Gun Maverick footage in there and all this NFL footage in there. And it's just like such an epic spot that is created by like one person just talking in a room by themselves to camera and just incredibly good editing, music, sound design, post-production, mm-hmm. really good writing, really good post. Um, and I just, I sent it to like Blake, you know, our friend that uh, has like a, a post house slash production company. And I was like, look at, look at true, like a list level commercial editing and how it can mm-hmm. take a simple shoot and make it feel like epic. And so I think if you're ever looking for a reference, like you have footage of someone talking to camera and you're like, how can we spice this up? Check out Tom Cruise AFC championship. And then the one he did with John Malkovich, which I like even better, except it's, it, it's shot with an orchestra and in like, and in a, um, what do you call a place where an orchestra plays? Uh, orchestra pit? No. In a, uh, a concert like, hall? Yeah. In a concert hall. Um, it's so it's the production value is definitely higher, um, uh, but it's also just excellent, just really well written and really well edited. And I just, you know, it, a lot of times we work on things. We're like, oh yeah, our person over here is going to edit. You know, she's mm-hmm. like a great editor. She was like our assistant editor, and she's like, and you know, it, when you see some stuff that's just edited so well, and what makes it good is the edit. Um, and the music and the sound and the mix mm-hmm. and the color, mm-hmm. you realize like, man, like if I want to make like this amazing A-list stuff, like I should l- look at the details these people are are paying attention to. And and it's just really kind of inspirational. So teasing John Malkovich and Tom Cruise AFC Championship, both written by Billy Scafuri. Uh, they're on Vimeo. Again, these are just like promos for football games. Nothing yeah, yeah. that's going to change your your life. But I just think it's just such a great example of good writing and good editing that you're all about it. I love yeah. it. Love it. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I will definitely dive in and check those out. I can't wait. In the meantime, my unpaid endorsement is a company called Allied Vaughn. They're one of a handful of companies that do DVD and Blu-ray authorship for you um, on demand. Oh, dude. Why didn't we not talk about your movies out on Blu-ray and DVD? And my movie's out on Blu-ray and DVD. The film See You Next Christmas is available on Blu-ray and DVD that I produced. Um, but what's cool about it is, Oren, you have a, a, a basement full of old DVDs. I do. And uh, I do not. And the <laughs> difference is that the technology has changed significantly where you can give them all of the authorship files that you need. They set it all up and and then, you know, obviously take a cut. But like... And all, do they set up like the Amazon store, like Am- all those things? They, they do all of the like barcodes and tracking numbers and all that stuff. So it's on Amazon, Walmart, Deep Discount, all the places you buy a DVD, Barnes and Noble. And can you log in and um, like see the stats? Um, 
I don't know how reporting works exactly just yet. Because that's the biggest problem with like distributors. It's like Mm -hmm. almost no transparency in that stuff. They'll give you a a report every quarter, you know, if you're lucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I think that also is changing because I think that that used to fly before everyone had access to the analytics on their Instagram channel or their YouTube page or whatever. And like now I think distributors will have a dashboard that allows you to like log in and check in on things. Um, so if you have a, an idiot, you can't just approach them out of the blue. You have to have like a, you know, a rep or a deal or whatever, but I'm sure that there are other companies out there that are doing it as well. But like, I guess the on demand printing of DVDs and Blu-rays, I think is a pretty huge boon for, indie filmmakers but are they at like walmart or target or any of that or is it more for online online yeah 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 though pre-orders will kind of add that to the to the mix but um so there will be some in store i believe but you know we're not printing a ton in advance basically yeah that's where my my hundreds of dvds Right. Yeah. 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 You had and never sold that. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. So like we're, we're avoiding that. Our upfront fees are very, very low and um, it's been great. So awesome. Barnesandnoble.com, Walmart.com, Amazon.com, all the places. Deep, a deep discount DVD. When I saw it on there, I was like, oh man, that takes me back. Anyway, another great episode in the books. I regret nothing. <laughs> no regrets. <laughs> If you have any questions for us, if you want to learn more about the things that we talked about, you can tweet us. Tell us what you regret. Tell us what you regret. Hit us up on social media at just shoot it pod. You know, less and less on Twitter, but uh, Instagram we're around. Guys, and, I'm uh, still I'm still on Twitter. Uh, or still tweeting. I'm not afraid of no Elon Musk. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I mean I'm um, not tweeting, but I still read read tweets. If you have a a longer uh, question for us, you can always email us at just shoot pod at gmail.com and you can follow me across all social media including currently Twitter <laughs> at Mr. Madden Mastodon. Um, I'm at O Kaplan on Instagram. I'm at Smitey Pileg. I finally posted something on Instagram, some photos from set. This episode is edited by Noah Bayshore. Our producer is Tyler Smalls. And uh, you're listening to music from the Free Music Archive and the artist Jazar. And we will catch you next time. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.